reading this morning comes from Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 15. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, God died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation." Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, how good you are to us, that you give us your word, that you cause us You cause us by the power of your spirit to be nourished and enriched by it. We pray, Lord God, uh, that you would remind us the depths of which you have gone to express your love to us, that you would show us once again those things from which we have been delivered, that we might give eternal thanks to you, Lord Jesus, because you have been our deliverer. We thank you for your presence in our lives every day, and we thank you for your presence with us now. We pray in your name. Amen. It's good to be with you. It's always good to be together as we're digging into God's word and we're reminded of of the impact that God's word has on God's people, on us and on all of those in the generations that have gone before us. And today as we think about God as deliverer, there are lots of angles that we could take in this and there are lots of scriptures to which we could turn. The most common one for us to look to think about God as deliverer would be to think about Moses and the Exodus, right? The, The moment when God's people, the Israelites, were redeemed, were rescued, were delivered from this oppressive slavery at the hands of the Egyptians. They had cried out, they had been slaves for over 400 years. They had cried out to God, asking him to deliver them, and he sent in some ways an an unlikely deliverer, Moses. And then you remember how God did that. With an outstretched arm and a mighty hand, he rescued his people, and oftentimes that outstretched arm and mighty hand, that was actually Moses' hand that God was working through. And through, through unspeakable difficulties, through moments of plague, God rescued his people. He delivered them. One final act, one final act that's difficult for us to fathom, one act of of tremendous death that finally allowed Pharaoh's heart to be softened and allowed God's people to go free. 
Moses was their deliverer because God was working through them. That's, that's an amazing story of deliverance. The greatest story of deliverance, in fact, other than the cross itself. The story of the deliverance of the people of Israel. And, and that's a great place for us to turn. And it's wonderful for us to recount what God did for them. But as I think about that story, I wonder sometimes how impactful that is for us. You see, that, that happened 4,000 years ago. 4,000 years ago as God did those things and, and he acted one way with the Israelites in that event, but he never told us they would continue to act that way. He never told us that we'd see a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day as he led us around. He never told us that he would deliver us in the same way from the things that we face. And yet God is still deliverer. God is still our deliverer. And so how do we see God and how do we see the delivery that he does for us each day? How do we see what he does? We, we turn to the scriptures, and there in the scriptures, we see what God does for us. And, and it starts us off with a question. What do I need to be delivered from? And it's a real question. What, what do I need to be delivered from? Well, maybe that question has taken on a different meaning in the last couple of months. But in general, we, we think that we have our lives kind of figured out. We think that we have it all, all sorted out. We don't necessarily need God to intervene for our lives to be somewhat normal. And I think one of the things that's happened in the last couple of months is it's shaken us into a reality that we are not in control of our lives. That, that maybe we're not as powerful as we thought we were. And, and so let's start right there. What, what do we need to be delivered from? Well, how about from being powerless? Right? That's one of the things that's spoken of here in the, the reading which Pastor Victor just did for us from Romans chapter 5. It speaks of us being powerless. And again, there are probably times in your life when you say, I'm powerful, right? When you say, I have a lot of strength, there's lots of things that I can do. But the reality is anytime we are confronted with a situation that we do not control, we realize just how powerless we are. And be honest, there are lots of those. Not just in the last couple months. There are lots of situations that are beyond our control. Situations over which we are, we are completely powerless. Uncontrolled and unplanned things that entered our lives. We find ourselves saying, well then who can be in control of these? We need to be delivered from being powerless. Paul continues in Romans 5, not just saying that we're powerless, but also saying that we're ungodly. Right? Un ungodly. And that's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? We're the opposite of God. And then he explains it even further with the third thing that he says we are. The third thing we need to be delivered from. We, we are sinners. And we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Because we have this plague that has been passed down to us from generation to generation. This original sin which is inside of us. We are sinners by nature. By nature we look to our own interests and not the interests of others. By nature we seek, by nature we seek our own path and not the path that God has set for us. By nature, we're powerless, we're ungodly, we're sinners, and the text isn't even done yet. Because the next thing it says for us in, in verse 10 is that we were enemies of God. We were God's enemies. Our sin and sinfulness made us enemies of God. And sometimes we like to think of ourselves as, as like ignorant children before God, right? right? Children who really don't know any better and just kind of it's not the picture that's painted at all. When we're called God's enemies, you need to think enemies. You need to think opposition to God and deliberate opposition to God, seeking the things which please us and not the things which please him. We are enemies of God, actively undermining his work in the world. 
What do we need to be delivered from? We're powerless, ungodly, sinners who are God's enemies. And that's who we are by nature. And because of these attributes, we even see it further that we are prone to evil. That we're prone to do those things that we know we don't do or shouldn't do. We're prone to do those things which, which Satan would have us do. We're prone to evil. And so, so think about that list and ask that question again. What do we have to be delivered from? It's not a pretty picture. We need to be delivered from being powerless, ungodly sinners or God's enemies and prone to evil. That's where this text takes the turn. Because as you go back into the text, you realize that those things aren't just given as a list. In each one of those, there's this insertion. It's what Jesus Christ has done for us. What Jesus Christ has done to deliver us from each of these. While we were powerless, Christ died. We were ungodly and Christ died. God demonstrates his love for us reconciled through the death of his son. We are saved through his life. It's the life and resurrection of Jesus. It's the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that redeems us. It's the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that saves us because Jesus is our deliverer. Because God reveals himself as a delivering God. A delivering God who, who overcomes these things in us. A delivering God who sees us in our, in our nature and in our sinful nature and doesn't leave us that way, but instead draws close to us. Not only drawing close, but being willing to die for us so that we would be able to experience his unconditional love and forgiveness. That's what it means to worship a God who is a deliverer. And when realized the work of Jesus Christ is nothing short of amazing. It's amazing what Jesus would do for us. It's amazing what Jesus has done for us on the cross and by his resurrection to know that we are delivered from our sinful nature. We are once again righteous before God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that alone would be enough to simply live lives of worship and praise. But like a bad infomercial, but wait, there's more. There's more than this. And you say, well, how could there possibly be more? It's because what Jesus Christ has done for us didn't just happen in the past. It continues to happen now. As Jesus promises his presence for each one of us, as he promises that he will be with us in every season and station of life. It means he'll be with us when there is evil that surrounds us. And there is evil that surrounds us. And that's why Jesus taught his disciples. He taught us to pray Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. Because evil doesn't just affect everybody else who is out there. Evil isn't just something that plagues others. Evil is something that plagues and tempts us as well. And so he teaches us in those moments to pray for deliverance. To pray, deliver me from evil. In fact, that's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. When he says this, No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to humanity. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You see, God provides a way out from temptation, a way out from the evil that surrounds us. He enables us by the power of his spirit to walk in his ways. God delivers us, and he delivers us from evil. 
He delivers us still in the present and he still delivers us not just when there is evil but even when situations feel hopeless. And admit it, there have been a lot of moments in the last couple months when we've felt hopeless. God is present in the midst of those situations. God is present and when we realize the work of Jesus Christ, when we realize his presence for us, we begin to see that God delivers us in those situations and rebuilds inside of us something called hope. It's hope which is founded in the work of Jesus Christ to be able to see what he has already done for us and know what he will do for us in the present, what he will do for us in the future, knowing the ways that he continues to be present and to bless his people. And yet also we need to be assured of this, that God's presence and his deliverance doesn't always take the form that we wish it would. It doesn't always take the form that we pray for. And yet God is present to deliver us. Now, I could share a story with you and that would be one way to do it, but I thought I, thought I would do this a little bit differently today. I, I thought that I would, I'd actually have my mother come and do the heavy lifting for me. And so I'm gonna actually invite my mom to come up I grab a couple chairs. And we talk about a story of deliverance. So you've experienced a situation, um, a situation which you needed God to be deliverer, a situation in our family. And I've, I've spoken of this in our church. I've spoken of it um, here from time to time of, of Mark's accident. My, my oldest brother, Mark, when he was a rising senior in high school, uh, had a real serious car accident when um, he, and his, he and his best friend were on their way to, to lift weights for football practice and hydroplaned on a summer road. Uh, it had rained in the morning and there was a puddle that they didn't see and crashed into a tree and r- wrecked his body, right? Um, injuries that broke his broken femur. Broken ankle, the femur, uh, uh, his open dislocation of his elbow. Broke, two two yeah, collapsed t- lungs, broken jaw. Which they didn't find for a whole week. Yeah, almost severed his tongue. Um, then worst injury was closed brain injury. Right. Front, front and back. Um, and it, it, was, it was grave. It was dire. And, and I have to tell you that now as a father of a rising senior in high school, um, I, I see that whole situation differently than I did when I was just a kid. Playing baseball. Playing baseball and all those things. And I look at it now and I think of the situation that you went through as a parent. Right? And I mean, that must have been unbelievably difficult, just, I mean, right off the bat. Because I still thought I was in control. And when we had that terrible phone call, Barb, there's been an accident, and it's bad, I immediately thought, I can handle a broken leg. We can do that. Not knowing what it was really like, going to be like. And uh, he was flown up to Boston right away. And so you had to make a lot of decisions. You and dad were staying up there. Uh, we stayed the up hospital. there for three weeks or something like that. It must have been a lot of prayers during that time. Prayers, pleas, pleading. Uh, sometimes dad and I couldn't even look at each other because it hurt too much to see the other person hurting, hmm. the person that we loved. Um, trying to deal one, with, with Mark, trying to deal with Mark and you're, you're praying prayers of healing for him, but also still trying to figure out what this means to you. And I know there was one prayer in particular that was, um, was particularly kind of meaningful and one that you've spoken of before and one you told us about. The one morning when I went in there, I just felt like something was off and I heard 
some voices behind me and they were saying, I think she's had it. And I didn't know they were talking about me. I, I didn't know what they were talking about, but I knew that I had to get to a quiet place. And, and so I went into the room, the little room that we had that I was sleeping in and I actually knelt down and I, I said, you know, please, you say that you won't give us more than we can handle. Well, I'm, I'm there, I can't handle this. And all of a sudden this feeling came over me of peace. Now, was it magic? No. Did it change anything? No, not really. It wasn't, but I just could stand it. I just had that peace that passes understanding in my heart that God gave me that at that moment when I needed it the most. Right, and that's, and that's scriptural, right? That, that's mm -hmm. the peace that surpasses understanding that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Right? And it's that reality that that's a gift that God gives in a moment that otherwise might have seemed hopeless. Right, and he, he, didn't, he didn't solve it the way I thought he was going to, or the way I would have controlled it. But he, he changed my heart so that I could accept it. And in that way, again, that's the picture of God as, as deliverer. And, and one thing that, that my mom and I both said is whenever we, <clears throat> whenever we tell a story like this, we, we both run into the problem where we sometimes forget to update and to say where Mark is today. So yeah, so Mark is, uh, is alive and functioning as an adult, works for the Home Depot in Massachusetts, and you're the proud grandma, so you can say. He has twins, a boy and a girl, Rebecca and Robert, which are delightful, and who so, are delightful. And so that, that's a, a different, different part of the story, different chapter of the story. But the reason I wanted you to hear uh, from, from my mom today is that sense of deliverance and knowing God's presence in the midst of situations which otherwise might seem hopeless and recognizing that in those, the way that God delivers us might surprise us. It might not always be what we expect. And yet it is always according to his promise. It is always what he has promised to do for us in Jesus Christ. He has promised his presence with us. He's promised his presence when things seem hopeless. He's promised his presence in the midst of, of an evil world all around us. He's promised the presence which overcomes our sin and sinfulness. It's that we can, with confidence and boldness, know that our God is present. It's that we can, boldness and confidence, cry out, God, please deliver me. And to know that our God is present to deliver, because that's who he has revealed himself to be. Will you once again please pray with me? Lord God, we praise you for what you've done on our behalf. We praise you that, that from as, as little children we were taught to take it to the Lord in prayer and know that you hear us, to know that you are present with us in the midst of our difficulty. We thank you for the ways that you continue to deliver us. And we pray, Lord God, that your presence would be known and experienced, especially by those this day who are surrounded by evil, especially by those this day who are feeling hopeless, that you would restore them and renew them in your love. For we pray in your strong name, Jesus. Amen.